0: I am blessed to have with me today, Mr. Calvin Croslin. He is the
1: chief diversity officer at Lenovo and Calvin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Donald. I'm happy to be here. I appreciate the invite.
0: One of the things, Calvin, that we like to do just so that our audience is talking as friends is tell us a little bit about you. We're gonna get into your role with Lenovo and, and some of those things, but tell us a little bit about family that you feel comfortable with and that professional journey that led you to be an executive that a pretty large organization uh, in, in, uh, in, in our country.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, family is very important to me, so I guess I'll start there. So I have uh, two adult children from a uh, previous marriage. Um, one, my 29-year-old daughter actually is a flight attendant for Delta. And a 24-year-old son, he and I have a trucking business together, although it's his business. I'm the, I'm the silent partner. Very, very silent, right? It's basically my wallet that helped to start the business, and he's doing a fine job. And then my fiance and I have a seven-year-old together, and uh, we have a, we call it our uh, dysfunctional blended family. Uh, (laughs) We all get along incredibly well. Um, I get along very well with my ex-wife's partner, and uh, uh, we just had dinner uh, Saturday night to celebrate some things, some family accomplishments. So uh, a lot of time spent around travel and live music. Uh, We all, uh, like I said, we get along very, very well and are very supportive of one
0: another. Oh, that is fantastic, and so glad to have you with us. When you think about, your career journey. Tell us a little background on education, some of the roles and and really what led you to select your talents in time with Lenovo.
1: Great question. So uh, coming out of school, uh, university, didn't go to the most premier institution, nor was I that have the best GPA. Um, and so at the time it was a, it was a declining economy uh, around the late eighties. And so you find yourself in a position where you recruit re- uh, uh, interviewing for multiple positions, right? Or excuse me, uh, one multiple people uh, interviewing for a position. And, you know, it, it was a uh, uh, an endurance round of interviews when I first came out of school, right? And this is before cell phones uh, and, and GPS. So, you know, you kind of set things up the day of or the day before and you, I was in New York City at the time and you travel around the city interviewing and uh, a very unique and disturbing thing happened to me at one point. Uh, I would find that people were very interested in talking to me on the phone, and then when I would arrive, the vibe would change slightly. And finally, it was one particular interview I had late one afternoon. I walked in the office and the vibe changed and the gentleman said, well, you didn't sound black on the phone. Uh, and that was uh, it kind of on one hand, it kind of validated some things for me because I felt like I was qualified for some of the jobs and I felt like I'd, I was interviewing well. Um, so it was disturbing on one level. But on another level, it kind of explained some some of the difficulties I was having actually landing a job for a period of time there. Um, but I didn't end up going to work for uh, at and for about a year. I had a good ex- experience there. And then I went to work for IBM and I was at IBM for 25 years uh, in various roles, mostly in HR, uh, everything from um, employee development to leadership development, uh, talent acquisition. And then I became a journalist in about the 2000 timeframe and supported various organizations from sales, uh, services, software. And then I went to, su- to support the supply chain in 2006. And it was 2014 that Lenovo acquired the x86 business of, of IBM. And I was part of that organization. And so I came over as part of an acquisition to, to Lenovo in 2014. And it has been an absolutely tremendous journey since I've been there. Oh, that is fantastic. And and I have to seize on that commonality, right?
0: I, I didn't know you didn't sound black on the phone. And one of the things that many people just can't relate to is that's an example of just some of the traveling upstream. Yes. Right. That people of color have had to work through Yeah, that is hard for others to understand sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So my question, you know, is not to necessarily go into every detail of that particular thing, but how were you able to keep your head up, keep moving forward, pushing with microaggressions like that, aggressions like that things that were designed in a sense to hold you back but you've by all intents and purposes done pretty well Calvin
1: yeah i think because you don't have a choice right i mean you have to you have to persevere right you have to find uh people in places where you're going to be comfortable and fit in and people that will embrace your talents right and that's not going to be everywhere uh some people as you said will use microaggressions so it's slight things is, are said. And then some people say things that are far more, uh, I guess, uh, outlandish or offensive intentionally, right? And so, you know, over time, you just learn how to navigate a system, I think.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think for me, I had to figure out that winning was worth it. And I couldn't personally overreact to every instance that was trying to hold me back because that would distract me from the things that I was trying to accomplish. And so I had to develop a coldness to it almost um, in order to really keep focus on on, on finding that right company for me mm-hmm. that would give me an opportunity and give me a chance to grow. So I appreciate that uh, very much. Let's fast forward to the present and let's talk a little bit about your role at Lenovo. And for many, you know, chief diversity officer is a new title. So let's start at some foundations. What does a chief diversity officer do? What are, what are you responsible for in a
1: multinational large corporation like Lenovo? That's a great question. And you know, it's, it's not really new for Lenovo. Um, I'm the second chief diversity officer. My predecessor, Yolanda Conyers was the first and she was here since 2005. And so she set the foundation for a lot of what we do today, right? So if you think about diver- diversity, it really is around representation, right? And does your things like, does your executive population mirror that of your overall population? And does your overall population mirror the workforce or, the, or or what talent is available in the marketplace, you know, let, let's say, example, in the IT industry, right? So that becomes some of the focus from a diversity standpoint. Uh, inclusion really, to me, is around uh, innovation. It's around uh, a sense of community, a uh, sense of inclusion. Uh, and so, you know, the inclusion piece that we work on really is about people being able to come to work and be their authentic selves, right? Uh, not have to... Uh, suffer, if you will, or endure it, microaggressions, right? We, we talk a lot about when you see or hear things like that, what can people do to kind of address those things, right? Uh, as allies or as uh, inclusive leaders. So we've spent a lot of time on things like engagement with our employees. And to me, that's really what inclusion is all about. And we're just on the verge now, and it's not in my title, it's not in the title of my team, but around the, t- the concept of equity, which really is more, much, much more of a kind of a U.S. term or thought. But it is around the fact that you can't have real inclusion until you have equity. right? And there are certain programs and proof points that we have at Lenovo that I would say that we are in position very well uh, from a standpoint of, of equity.
0: Can you dig a little deeper? Because sometimes when I'm talking with folks about diversity, equity and inclusion, people get a little hung up on equity. Right, because does that mean quotas? Does that mean everything's equal? Could you take us on a little journey, a a little knowledge journey about your your view of that that term equity?
1: Yeah, I'll give you a good one that I think is, and it's it's probably a subtle example, like many are. Right, so if you think about, we have a a strategic leadership program that we have for women globally. Uh, It's just below the executive level. It's it's to prepare people that are either ready now or or perhaps are ready in a year or two to be an executive. And it's, it's your regular leadership course or leadership content. Where the equity comes in is the program starts to focus on what are the additional hurdles that women have to face in the workplace? What are some of the strategies to over, overcome those hurdles? right? And similarly, we have a program called Mosaic, and it's for underrepresented minorities in the US, veterans, LGBTQ community, um, people with disabilities. And it's the same type of information. right? It's the traditional things you talk about with leadership style, executive presence. But it also delves into the things that some minorities may face or women may face in terms of those barriers, how to overcome those obstacles, things about how important it is to have a strong network, have a strong mentor, the difference between a mentor and a sponsor. So that, to me, is an example of of equity, right? It's, It's leadership development, but it has some additional elements to address places where people may not have always started at the same place. That's a wonderful, simple and plain
0: descriptor. And I think a lot of times in the work that we're doing with diversity, equity, inclusion and building business leaders, sometimes we overcomplicate things that can be simple. Mm -hmm. And and I think the buy-in increases the more that we keep it in common language to where everybody can understand. So I appreciate that thought uh, very much. One of the things that is we did our pre-work and I did some research on Lenovo that I want to have you get some space to talk about is your product diversity office. This is now taking diversity, equity, and inclusion and now delving it and linking it to the business. Yep. Right. And so everyone's not there on their journey yet. So I think a lot of people are going to want to understand how you all are thinking about that, how you're executing. Tell us a little bit about the product diversity office.
1: Yeah, we absolutely thought we had an opportunity to make sure the we call it diversity by, uh, by design. Right. We had an opportunity well before the developmental cycle for products to make sure that we had accessibility experts looking at products to make sure that they in fact were accessible to all, right? And so there's a great opportunity uh, in the marketplace to make sure that our products do in fact uh, are accessible uh, and and that um, are, are inclusive. And so we had launched a product diversity office and, uh, last year. Uh, it is beginning to grow now and uh, we hope that by 2025, 75% of our new products will go through the Product Diversity Office. And so if you think about uh, things like devices, wearables, things like that, you really wanna make sure that, that the right folks have looked at those products to make sure that they are accessible and inclusive.
0: One of the things that when we typically hear folks talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, race, gender, sexual orientation are kind of the big three. Disability inclusion, Affects millions of people across the globe as well, right? Generational different things. One of the things that's really interesting about that product diversity office, right? That diversity by design, is it links to how you build a better brand, how you can sell more product, how the product user interfaces are better. Talk a little bit about some of the byproducts of of, of your thinking and what you hope to gain from a business standpoint.
1: Absolutely, and those are exactly the things that we want to gain from it, right? There's a there's a tremendous market out there of people that, that have neuro and physical disabilities. And we want to make sure that our products address those things. Right. And so and we also want to make sure that we don't have any situations that we embarrass ourselves by launching a product that is not right. So it's both in terms of the market opportunities, but it's also ensuring you know that your products really are accessible. Right. And really, really are inclusive for all. And that then and also when, when you do that, it has a broader impact at a broader uh, or excuse me broader employee popul- broader population, excuse me. One of the things that um, I was talking with
0: my daughter and one of the things that came up is we were talking about Gen Z and how they look at the marketplace and how they look at where they want to work and where they want to buy from, right? And the numbers bear that the next generation of workers and emerging leaders, they look at the DEI practices of companies, right? They they want to understand where that that stance is. And one of the things that came up is that they they don't like to buy from or work for companies that are filled with empty promises. And so one of the things that I see you all doing at Lenovo that's super commendable is putting that promise of diversity, equity, inclusion into the products that you're pushing and selling to market. And that linkage, right? teaches your employees throughout your organization how important it is. And so from as a practitioner in the DEI space, I'm not seeing this enough, but uh, I'm seeing you all have a really nice leadership opportunity uh, in that IT, that technology space to do that. And so bravo uh, on that. Thank you. One of the things that I want to hit is now when we're looking at some of the different employee resource groups you all have. And one in particular that, that when you started talking about it, you lit up a little bit, and, and I could just see the, the, the pride in what you are all doing. Talk to us a little bit about the, the neurodiversity internship program.
1: Yeah, so that's something we did just last year uh, in partnership uh, with Link IT. Um, we had two uh, individuals come on board that were neurodiverse. Uh, uh, so, as you can imagine, uh, because it's uncharted territory for us. There was a fair amount of training for our hiring managers, for our HR team, right, Uh, and for the team that they'd be working with, and also for the candidates themselves, Uh, but something we're very, very proud of. We got some very, very good feedback about our products and our workplace.
0: When you think about, you know, one of the things that I I, I like to think I'm a good listener, I take lots of notes. When we talked about diversity, equity, inclusion, you defined diversity, and you defined inclusion with the word innovation. And so I was looking at my notes. Why do you, why do you, why do you do that? I, I I agree with it. I think it's cool. Why why did you put innovation lockstep with inclusion?
1: Yeah, because I think you have when you have inclusion, you have different points of view. It helps with innovation, right? And one of the ways I talk about inclusion is, oftentimes when you have a room of people working on something, there are going to be folks who are less vocal than others, but that doesn't mean they don't have great ideas, right? And so part of inclusion is how do you draw out. The great ideas that people may have that aren't necessarily the ones that are most vocal to speak up right and how do you integrate that into either the development cycle the sales cycle uh, or any other kind of um, session that you're having to develop something that's powerful
0: in in our kind of hierarchical system in corporations that's been developed over the years and then just kind of the the loudest person sometimes gets the most credibility right we can sometimes confuse right volume of words, volume of, of tone with value that's delivered from an idea. And so I think your, your point of making it incumbent on leaders to pull out those best ideas is, is something that we all can do better. Yeah, I agree. One of the things that, um, I want to not switch gears, but I want to ask a little bit differently. When you think about diversity, equity, inclusion, what are some of the things that you aspire to? You might not be there yet, but what are some of the things in your visioning for what you want and and wanna lead Lenovo to do aspirationally from a DEI
1: perspective? Yeah, I don't have a job anymore, right? (laughs) I mean, the ultimate goal (laughs) is that there's no need for a chief diversity officer, right? Um, That, you know, things are happening in a very normal and natural fashion. I think that is the aspirational goal Anybody in this space would have. Right. Um, and, and yeah, that that really is that is that is uh, that is the ultimate goal is that a job like this would not n- would not exist nor need to exist.
0: So as a part of that journey, and that's a great way to frame it. Right. There's obviously executive support within your organization because you have the role, you have the funding to do a lot of these cool things. But within any organization, there's folks that aren't quite there yet. What are some of the things that, and we don't want to leave those folks behind because of a lack of knowledge or understanding or different things. What are some of the best practices? What are some of the things that you do as a leader to create the infrastructure for that continued learning for people that just don't get this DEI stuff yet? But Yeah, I think,
1: yeah I think one of them you mentioned earlier about Gen Z or I and mean, even our current employee base people are asking more and more around what are you doing around environmental, social and governance, right? The last one-on-one I had with our talent acquisition leader last week, she was talking about the differentiation between folks accepting or not accepting offers anymore. Obviously comp is a component, but it really is about some of the things you're doing around environmental, social and governance, right? People wanna make sure that you have climate change mitigation. Uh, uh, They wanna talk about sustainable materials. You obviously, not obviously, but oftentimes, get into the diversity inclusion aspect of what is the representation? Are there going to be folks that look like me? Philanthropy? What are you doing to give back to the communities that you that you work and live in? So I think the compelling reason from a business perspective is uh, our analysts, uh, our investors, and, and our potential employees are asking these types of questions, and so certainly. You want to have a good story to tell around all of these factors around environmental, social and governance. And I just happen to own two of the three under social. Oh, that's fantastic. And you
0: echo the point. I was doing a, um, a webinar earlier today that will be launched, but we were talking about diversity on boards of directors. right? Mm. And we were talking about that pipeline and, and that process mm-hmm. for, for doing that. And one of the things that obviously came up at that conversation level was ESG. And so it's gone with a lot of different names over the years, right? Corporate mm-hmm. social responsibility, so- environmental. And, and it yeah. seems like today that you know, the, the ESG is the framework. And one of the things that we talked about is that uh, it's becoming a requirement for public companies to start to track on this.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Not just, like I said, not just you know investors and analysts, um, but potential employees with current employees but also candidates, right? And it's it's one of the, the top things that uh, our, our our recruits are asking us, candidates are asking about. So yeah, absolutely. In order to be competitive for talent, these are the types of things that you're going to have to ensure. So
0: let's talk about the, the philanthropic work for a minute. And because you have a couple of different roles, mm-hmm. right? So not only are you the chief diversity officer, but you're also president of the Lenovo Foundation. Tell us a little bit about that, that work, some of the things you're proud of that Lenovo is doing there?
1: Yeah, that's it's a similar mission, but externally, right? It's about what are we doing in the communities that we live and work? Uh, and our primary focus is around smarter technology for all. So what we try to do is we try to make sure that we're working with underrepresented communities uh, and populations around STEM education. Uh, very proud of the work that we did during COVID uh, for remote learning, uh, also for in the healthcare industry uh so we also work on disaster relief so you know very very proud of the work that we do in the community to try to uh uh equalize the digital, digital divide if you will right uh, because you think about education as an example it, you know where you already see some disparities those disparities are just going to grow when certain children don't have the same access or same technology as other children right whether that's wi-fi access whether that's uh, the actual hardware software um, anyone, people with disabilities, not having the types of machines or software that would accommodate their learning styles. So we really are focused on that with our foundation.
0: Yeah, that is fantastic. And most, most of us are so fortunate and removed from some of those day-to-day challenges, but COVID brings those things back to life, mm-hmm. right? When when young people were went to that remote learning and you've got a laptop per child, you just, you plug it in, you go, Right. But if there's one computer in the home or no computer in the home. Right. Right. That that has created a distance already. Right. And it's 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 something that was easy to ignore pre-COVID, I think. But that started to really jump out at the forefront right in the in the new paradigm. And so that's pretty awesome. the, The work you all are doing there. That's really cool.
1: Yeah. And I'd like to think if, you know, we if we remain in some kind of hybrid form of the model we're in today, Particularly globally, that the, you know many of the arguments we have around school zones and and those types of things, right, segregated versus desegregated, you know, sending uh, children from one area of the town, city to another area of the city. Some of that perhaps goes away if you simply try to make sure children have the same amount of access to technology and access yeah. to education, right? And so we get away from these uh, border discussions about where schools are and where students are, and really get have the ability for people to learn remotely and give them access to that.
0: No, that's fantastic. When we think about um, the competition for talent these days, right, and, and obviously it's heightened, and, and all companies, right, whether it's Lenovo in the technology space, mm-hmm. whether it's in the marketing space, we're all struggling, right, to recruit, reward, and retain. What are some of the things that, without spilling secret sauces or anything like that, right, but, but what are some of the things you're seeing as best practices that inclusive leaders can do to make sure that folks feel that belonging at work, which is a big indicator of whether people stay or go.
1: Well, I I think you hit on the main point, right? I mean, if you do a a lot of the uh, research would say that most employees view their company as their first line manager, right? Or their management or leadership team, right? So then it becomes what can that manager do? And I think obviously you go to work to make money so there's obviously always compensation factors around that right whether it's your base salary bonuses commissions those types of things but there's a lot of non-compensation factors involved too right in terms of the content of work projects that you're on career development opportunities that you have uh in this environment whether it's the ability to work remotely there's just a lot of things from a non-compensation point of view that you can do for people and that piece that you talked about that sense of inclusion right if you come to work and you have a sense of family or a sense of community, that's more difficult to leave than just simply leaving a paycheck, right? When you think about the people that you work with and really enjoy working with, and that's kind of your work family, that's a little bit more difficult to walk away from when it's purely you're talking about money uh, to go to another company. So I think the emphasis really has to be on the employee um, uh, value proposition and the employee experience.
0: No, that's good. The employee experience. I think it's, it's a, it's another powerful point. Let me ask this as we wind our time together. And, and I'm so appreciative you took some time and 30 minutes is just like it flies it, by, it, right? It, it really flies by. And that's a good thing, right? That that means we're 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 reviving. What do you look for? What do you want to emulate in leaders that you admire? Right? When you look cuz you talk with leaders across the globe. What are some of the characteristics you see in those successful leaders that others should 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 strive to emulate?
1: I think really the the differentiator is the ability to lead people, right? I've worked for as an HR generalist from about 2000, yeah, 2000 till now, um, I've seen a lot of different leaders in action and the best leaders that I know are really great people leaders, right? Some of them are very good technically, some are very good with finances, some are very good with, you know, whatever their discipline is, right? But the, the real differentiator is people that are great people leaders and surround themselves oftentimes with people that think very differently than they do, right? Because they understand where their strengths are, and what they try to do is put put a team together that really fills the gaps that they may have in in their technical knowledge or in their leadership, right? So I think that's the differentiator: is being a really good people leader. Um,
0: no, I appreciate that very much. What if I? What would you like to share that I didn't ask you, right? Like what what point as you as we kind of wound wrap, wrap things down and and, and wrap up. What what kind of closing comments or a specific point that maybe I just didn't think to ask you as we wind our time together?
1: I think you asked me a lot of really great questions. You know, The one that I probably didn't get to to delve into as much was uh, around our employee resource groups. And I would be remiss if I didn't thank each of those groups for the work that they do. Um, There is no way my team could do the things that we do without the help of the ERGs, right? I mean, when you think about Things like uh, that sense of, 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 of belonging, that sense of family, that sense of cultural sharing, networking, mentorship, uh, career development. Um, there's just no way that my team could do all of that. And just to have that grassroots um, effort from our ERGs is incredibly important. And we also had, I guess, now that I'm thinking about it, there's two other things I should mention. Um We had an organization uh, of employees come together right after George Floyd called All In in our North America organization that did a lot of that, right, Um, was focused on diversity and inclusion, um, you know, mentoring, uh, even externally thinking about uh, things uh, going on in the judicial system. Uh, And we had another one in, in another organization called Act Now, and I think just seeing a lot of the grassroots things that happen with our employees when they see a situation and they want to jump in and solve a problem, that is really, really um, gratifying. That is awesome. How large an organization is Lenovo? About 71,000 uh, globally. And and you're in, what, 180 co- countries? Is that what that means? Yes. Yep. Right?
0: So this is a true global enterprise.
1: Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And
0: and one of the things that, you know, my final thought and is that right, I think it's awesome for our industry leaders, right, to want to show up in a meaningful way in these moments. Right. Because the the if we wait for just our government or religious leaders or any one group to solve all of our problems, nothing will ever get done. Exactly. But there is, but there is a certain uh, influence structure. Right. That leaders and large employers. Right. Have the ability to do great things for our society. And, and I think it's awesome what Lenovo is, is doing. And, and I think it's great.
1: Thank you. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I often say that diversity, when you talk about that representation, right, of the workforce often falls on our leadership. Right. Uh, and mostly our senior leadership, when you talk about executive level. But when you talk about inclusion, that's something that each and every one of us can do day to day when we come into the into the office, right? Or come into the workplace, whether that's at work physically or remote, is making other people feel welcome, right? Mm-hmm. And making other people feel included. And that's something we all can do. And as you said, you can't wait for the government or you know a senior leader or all that to, to, to cascade tops down. That's all of our responsibility when we come to, to the workplace or anywhere we go at, frankly. I um- was talking with a leader earlier and
0: um, her name is Hilda Raglan and she's on the board at North Carolina AT and a very successful uh, business person and the statement that she said that that you all are emulating is let the work you do right be your shining star mm-hmm. right and because there's a lot of folks talking about it Right. There's a lot of, yeah. plenty of people talking to you. Plenty of people signing pledges. Yeah, one, right? yeah. It's all good. Like I'm not. I mean, yeah. but, but then there are those that are trying to really put that budget behind it, that intentionality behind it. And uh, it is really cool to see. Calvin, thank you. I know you're busy. You could be doing a lot of different things, a lot of different places. And for you to take 30 minutes, 40 minutes and spend time with us and our audience, we do not take that for granted. And then, really, really glad that you decided to spend some time with us.
1: Well, it's been my pleasure. No, there's nothing I would be prefer to do right now, Donald, other than to talk to you. This has been a great conversation. I want to thank you.
0: Uh, you're very welcome.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like this show, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And if you really like it, leave us a rating and review as well. To keep up with our seasons and our guests, follow this podcast on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. This show was edited and produced by EarFluence. Take care of yourself and each other.